Welcome to the Success System Podcast, the go-to podcast for actionable self-help information, where we provide proven success systems to help you fast-track your growth so you don't have to waste years of your life building a foundation. We believe that success is your birthright and that you are only one decision away. In last week's episode, we talked about the five hacks to dealing with social anxiety and the strategies that you can start implementing today to get rid of your social anxiety. If you haven't already checked it out, we highly, highly recommend that you check it out. But with that being said, let's switch to this week's episode. This week, we'll be shifting gears and interviewing King Faya, who is an independent artist and a nominee for the Boston Music Award. King Faya, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me today. Yeah, no, we appreciate you coming out and just sharing your story and seeing how you can help other people with their journey. Absolutely. So, thank you for coming up. Of course, you know, it's always nice to have local artists, especially local independent artists who are really out here in the grind, just really coming and giving that new perspective to our audience who may or may not be along the same things, but at the end of the day, who are also interested in finding a way to make it through without necessarily having to go through the system in place. Yes, yes, we could dig into that because there's a lot of systems that you got to like work around to make this thing work. So we could definitely dig into all that today. Yeah. You want to start with the, our first question? Absolutely. So for our, our audience who may not be too familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you represent, and just give us a glimpse into your journey? Okay. So my name is King Fire. I'm an artist from Cambridge, Mass. I make music, but recently I've been on like a weight loss journey as well. So I've been like, I've always been the fat guy my whole life, just the fat, funny guy, whatever. But recently I've been down like 80 to like 90 pounds, give or take, depending on how serious I am. So in that, I just found so much in that journey that I felt like helped with everything in my life. So it's like, I feel like, where I'm at right now, it's like I feel like I have a lot to offer to people just by the way of like knowledge and experience and just like a lot of varied experiences. Mm -hmm. So I've been through like I had my real estate license. I was a real estate agent for a little bit. I have a lot of experience with the with the marijuana industry, a lot of experience with music. I've been making music for like the last 12 years at this point. And like I've thrown my own shows. I did merch. I've done I've got people into the game. I've done a lot. So it's just I, I do a lot. Yeah, and, I, and I, I truly love that. And one thing I wanted to um, just talk about to you is, you know, I, I'm sure there was a lot of fears, anxieties, stress that were in your mind when you started all this. So what, you know, what pushed you to that tipping point to get you say, you know what, I'm going to commit to doing these things. And what motivated you to get started doing these things? Okay, so this, this is interesting. So let's just start with like the music part. So with the music, I was always a guy that like supported my friends. And like when I was at school, I had two friends that were, like, really good at rapping, right? So it was, like, we were rapping, like, we were in class writing raps. So I thought we was joking. And then we went to, like, a girl's house, and then they just started freestyling. They had real verses. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? I need to go get me some real songs. You know what I mean? So in that, I was like, I wanted to do everything to, like, help them succeed in that moment. Like, I was like, yo, I was trying to book studio time, do whatever I could. But I didn't really know what I was doing. But I had that kind of, like... Let's make it happen attitude. Yep. But they weren't necessarily on the same page as me at that point. Just Your friends? Yeah, yeah, my friends. Yeah. They were older than me. So it was like, I'm like the younger friend. Like, yo, let's do everything. You know what I mean? And then it came to a point where it was like, I was with like another set of friends and we made some music at my house. And I just liked how my voice sounded. I was like, oh, I might have something to build on here. Mm -hmm. And then I started taking it seriously. And in that moment, when I decided to take it seriously, it was like, I went and bought, like, the equipment to record in my house. I was, like, if you ask, like, my other friends, I was in-house obsessed, like, just trying to learn everything. I'm watching documentaries, watching Kanye West make beats, Pharrell in the studio, like, whatever I could. I'm listening to all kinds of music just to try to expand, like, my creative process just because I didn't really have anyone to pull from. So in that, like, I fully immersed myself in that game just to, like, learn all I could about it. Like, I was reading books. Everything just because it was like something I felt like I could do. 
So in that, like, one thing led to another. I remember how I got my first show. I was just on Twitter talking trash. Like, I was looking at <laughs> looking at the lineup. So I'm like, well, like, how do these dudes get on these shows? I'm yeah. like, yo, how do I get on the Middle East show? Yo, just tweeted it. And my boy responded to me like, yo, DM me. I got you. And I was, like, on a show within, like, a week. Oh, I wow. love that. Okay. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That. I was like, and but I'd never done a show before. Yeah. So I was there just talking shit, talking out my ass. Yeah. Like, I'd yeah. never done a show yeah. before, never performed in front of people or anything. And it was just like, oh, shit. Now I actually got to show up. I got to go find some songs. I, I might have had one song, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just talking trash. I had to go make three, four more new songs. Just like I had me a nice little 15-minute set. And then going out there, it was just like a bunch of my friends is there. And it was just like, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you guys played sports, I know you guys play sports. You know, when it's game time, it's like you're not even the same person. Oh, like, with the minute that the minute, the, the minute you hear that whistle, it's a whole different thing. So I, I experienced that because I played basketball and I experienced that on the stage. I was like, oh, it's like nothing to really be afraid of. Like, once you're in it, it's your songs. You're just, just kind of doing your thing. You know what I mean? So from there, I, like, just built up my confidence from that. Like Taking action. Yeah, taking action. Yeah. Literally just, like, not even thinking about it, just jumping right into it, just throwing myself into the whole situation. And I yeah. kind of... I feel like I just kind of grew from that. And that was kind of how I approached, like, anything I had interest in. Yeah. And so I have a question. Is like, so during that time, was there any doubts? Hell yeah. To that? Okay. You got to think about it. We're coming from Massachusetts trying to rap. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they don't even think there's black people out here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I got that working against me. Then you got the whole Cambridge, Boston aspect of things and and just this whole area where it's like the Boston people look like, they're not going to, you know what I mean? Just like you have all of that to go against and it's just like it's just like a constant battle of like trying to prove yourself Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's just like for me I was just trying to make the best music I possibly can and I just felt like I had like things that you couldn't really teach that would just help me be better just like if you ever read the book The Outliers where it's like Bill Gates was Bill Gates because his dad was also was actually like the first computer science professor at Seattle University and led him into you know what I mean? Let him in the fucking the, the 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 tech spot to actually learn about computers at twelve years old when yeah. no one else had a computer, mm-hmm. and that allowed him to be ahead of everybody else. So for me, how I looked at my outlier situation was I had a bunch of cousins who already made music, and it was like I used to be the guy that was like pulling the stuff together. I'll go get the this is 2001, so I'm going to get the tape recorder. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I, I'm getting the bootleg CDs with the beats. I'm trying I'm trying to die. I'm the only one I knew how to use the computer in my house. I'm downloading beats. I got the little fake mic. I was trying to make it happen yeah. at 11. Mm-hmm. So I always knew I had that, and I just felt like I had, like, pe- like people to kind of, like, I seen do it already. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, hmm. And me reading that book, like, this might be my outlier situation. This I kind of already had this naturally going. So if I lean into it, I might be able to get more out of it. So that's just kind of how I approach that just with everything. Yeah, like what you guys, I could ramble. No, yeah, there. no, I, I think what's important about that is you said, um, you know, one thing you, you surrounded yourself with people who are doing the same things that you wanted to be doing. Right. Yep. And, and that's something we talk about building your tribe. It's so important because having other people that are doing the thing that you want to do makes you more confident saying, you know what? I can do it too. Absolutely. Right? Versus Absolutely. having no one, you're still in your head. You're like, Oh man, can I do it? Right. Cause from what I've heard from you so far is like, yeah, you had the doubts, but you weren't focused on your doubts or living beliefs. Nah, definitely you were focused not focused on what you wanted and you stayed focused on what you wanted. Right. And I think the problem with most people today is like they have ideas of what they want and they have doubt, but they, they let the, they focus on the doubts and the doubts were stopped them in place. Absolutely. You know? I could, I could take it back a step further, like earlier in my story, just like me playing basketball. So I was, Back to me being a chubby kid. I was a chubby kid on the basketball team. So I was like, you already know, that's just like, it's just kind of like not even, go play football. That's yeah, what they're going to tell you, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But I was like, no, I don't want to play no fucking football. So it was like, back to you saying, I was always focused on what I wanted to do. I left my original high school because it was like, the reality of it, we had 18 kids on the freshman team. We're all about the same height. Yeah, Everyone's 5'8 to 5'11. You got 11 kids all in the same spot. There's really not much room for you. It's like for the coach, like you're spoiled for talent. You could just literally just replace them. You know what I mean? Just like you make one mistake is out of there. So I was like, all right, screw this. I'm gonna go to another school where I can play. Like all I want to do is play. Yeah. My dream is to play basketball. I had all the dreams of my own. Oh, I, I wanted to do everything. I want to dunk. I wanted to do everything. You know what I mean? So I was just literally working every single day trying to do that. And my AAU coach ended up helping me get out of my school. 
So I went from Ringe to NCC, and that was like my first chance. I went from not playing on the basketball team straight to varsity. You know what I mean? And it was like, you know how it is out here. So it's a Division Four school. It's not nearly as competitive, so to speak, as the Division One schools. Yeah. But in my me and my age now, do I give a fuck if I play D one high school basketball? It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. I was just wanted to play, get my shots up, and say hi to a cheerleader, whatever, whatever my <laughs> whatever my little kid dream is. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I wanted to do that, and my coach was like, "Yo, you can go play now. All your friends are gonna stay here, and they're gonna just gonna be mad later that they didn't get to live out their dream because we're stuck in the system." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you know about Cambridge basketball, it's like a system. Like at that time, it was like. If you don't play a certain way, you're not playing. Yeah. We don't care if you're good. You know what I mean? You can be good at the sport, but if you don't play how we want you to play, you're not going to play, and you're going to have to adjust to how you want uh, how we want you to play. Mm-hmm. It's like that in all sports, but at Cambridge, like as a 14-year-old, it's like this insurmountable, oh, my God, how am I going to do this thing? You know what I mean? And they have favorites, and you learn about those politics and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, all right, let me just go to a place where I can succeed and do what I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I'm going to have a better self-esteem in myself because I actually got to do what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people who were like, went through that same system and they just like got stuck in that, like from not playing, they're blaming the coach. Just, you know what I mean? Like they're not taking that accountability when mm-hmm. they could have probably made the same move I made to go actually pursue and then go see, it might not have even been that coach. That's just how the game is. Yeah. And I learned that along that road too it's like not necessarily that if you're fucking up you're not gonna get what you're looking for you know what i mean like if you're not doing i needed to get in better shape if i'm being honest yeah you know what i'm saying i was in decent shape like for a fat kid i was like i could almost dunk in everything but it was like dog you gotta be able to keep up the entire game mm-hmm. you know what i mean and we don't want to even present that look it's a sports game you know what i'm saying yeah so it's like I, I understood that but at the same time i knew that there's a special place in the world for everybody where they can be the, their own star. You yeah. know what I mean? So, Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I definitely I mean? love that. And I actually do have a question. From that. I'm just wondering, how did the resilience that you had to develop through your basketball career translate to the mindset that you've been developing in your music career? Oh, my God. It's like it's the same thing because the way I was with sports, I'm like that with music and even back to my gym journey now. It's just like I pull off from that where I was going to the gym every single day playing ball, trying to get better. Six days a week, minimum. Like, I'll be playing in the league in the summer five, six days a week, just trying to do as much as I can to get better. So it's like that kind of attitude is just like it's kind of hard to break that. Mm -hmm. If you're already someone who's willing to put in six days to get better at something, why would that leave you? You know what I mean? You come off as the type of person that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Like, you find a way to get what you want in life. And so I'm curious to know, have you always had that that attitude or was it something you had to to build along the way on your journey? I guess um, I might say I might have always had it, like, only because it, I always felt like I was like an underdog. So it's like I had to develop it. So at some point I might have developed it maybe around like the eighth grade or like in high school, I'd say. Maybe like in high school I developed it just because it was like it, it, that basketball thing in Cambridge is such a real thing. Like came, basketball is like number one in Cambridge. So it was like you want to be cool. You had to play some basketball, like socially, all of that. So it was like you had to – it was always like a competitive thing. You kind of got to develop that competitive spirit to even stay alive in this shit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of – I might have developed it from there. Even my, like my older brother, I had an older brother – so I was I was the chubby little brother. My older brother's fucking skinny, ectomorph. He's still one fifty. He's forty one. You know what I'm saying? So he used to call me every fat joke in the world. I'm talking. We see a six hundred pound life. He's like, Key, that's gonna be you. You say shit like that to me, like ten years old. So it was like from that, like I, I'm getting. I got to get mad at him. Like, oh, fuck you. That's not what's gonna happen. That's not. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that's not what's gonna happen to me. You know what I mean? Like I gotta. I think I might have developed all of that from him. He was just trying to like probably put that in me. Like. Don't let no one bully you because yeah. ain't no one going to give it to you worse than I can give it to you yeah. and shit like that. So it might have came from there. Yeah. And it's just. But right. Me. And, you know, I think that's important. Um, but someone else in that same same situation would have probably been like, nah, I, you know, I'm probably am going to be like that. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, he, he's right. This is this is who I am. And, and take accept those labels that are being thrown at him. What made you shrug those labels off? Like, I'm sure it hurt in the moment still. Oh, nah, I was always trying to shrug the labels off me. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm little chubby. You look like Biggie right out the rip. I'm like, oh, I don't like fucking Biggie. 
I'm like, oh, like, like your favorite rapper is Biggie? No, I like Mace. I was just trying to do something that's not that, like something I thought was cool. Like, don't just typecast me because you see me as a big person. I'm, yeah. There's way more to me than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was being like this since I was maybe six. It's like it's always been that for me. Sorry. Yeah. It's always been like that for me. So it's like I think from that, like I never want, like they always told me to play football, but when I was little, I'm too heavy to play Pop Warner. Like, oh, you want to play Pop Warner? You have to play 13-year-olds. You're eight. I'm, like, I'm not playing with the 13-year-olds. Like, because, <laughs> you know, it's all it's all weight limit. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm 150. I'm fucking nine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you got to play with 14-year-olds, bro. I'm sorry. I'm like, first of all, no. I'm not doing that. Like, I, you see them? Like, it was like. They're, they basically men. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, some of the 13 year olds are really 15 and they're just going to graduate to eighth grade. I'm like, you don't try to get me killed out here? Like, nah, I'm not doing that. Basketball league could go throw my little shirt on and just, and just go run around. You know what I mean? So I was always just like, and then my cousin was on the basketball team and he was like my hero. Like, my cousin Steven, he was the man. He's shooting threes and girls like them. It was just like, all of that, like, was like, influenced upon me and I was like I wanted to be like Steven no one in my family plays football mm-hmm. don't try to tell me to go do that because that's what y'all think I should <laughs> yeah, you know what honestly, I mean I love that so I was literally always like just battling against stuff like that like my whole life so I'm I'm really big on like I don't care what you think I should do yeah. I'm gonna do what I want to do yeah. Yeah. yeah and I and I I can rest it go ahead. it seems go ahead, like Shanley. yeah go ahead <laughs> I'm like, it seems like you never really allowed people to attach labels onto you that you just didn't resonate with, which is a really good thing because I feel like a lot of people do struggle with that. So I'm curious to know, has there ever been a point in your journey where you felt like you were stuck? Absolutely. Hmm. When did I feel like I was stuck? So stuck in what way, I should say? Like you didn't know. So like either like stuck in what you were like you were trying to pursue something. Right. And you just felt like you hit a roadblock or even like maybe stuck in the the labels that people were trying to attach to you. Right. Maybe you felt like, oh, my goodness, I can't shake this off. Like they're not they're not comprehending that I'm not who they think I am. Yeah. That's when I had to leave range like that. At that point, that's when I had to leave range. It was like. It was after my sophomore year I left, so. Like, I, I I was more than good enough to make that junior varsity team as a sophomore. Like, I was killing. Like, I was in the best shape of my life. Like, at that point, I was I was dialed in. Like, I was going hard every day. I got cut from the team. I cried. Mm-hmm. It's because it was like, it wasn't like, like, you know, some kids will tell you that, and it's like, they weren't really good or anything like that. I was actually really fucking good. I was with the basketball players every single day. We all play on the same AAU teams. But like I said, there's 20 kids on the team. Yeah. So it's just really... It's kind of redundant. If I'm from the coach's standpoint, if I'm coaching, it's like, yeah, it's just kind of redundant. Like, mm-hmm. we have 11 of you already. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the time, it's like, what more do you want from me? Like, even my other boy who was doing the same thing, like, he wasn't doing as much as me. But, like, he, he did what the coach told him to do, and that wasn't enough. And I seen that. And it was like, nah, you got to do even more. Like, I always had in my mind, like, they're going to tell you to do one thing, but – that's not what's going to – like, the guy who they really love, he's kind of doing whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the star play, he just does whatever the fuck he wants, and they kind of adjust to him, but you got to be that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just trying to focus on – I was always focused on how do I get that good. Mm. And in that, it's like I probably won't be able to be that good here because, like I said, everything's pretty set in stone on who they love. They chose this kid since he was 11. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's already like that. Let me go somewhere where I can actually do that. But then I got there – and I started facing the same shit again. Yeah. yeah but I, at least I'm on the team now. <laughs> but it's like I'm running into the shit where I'm starting to realize, oh, no, this might be me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, I got to do even more. I can't I can't let up. Like I might have made the team and got comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I stopped working on my shit how I was supposed to. I thought I already got there. And then, bang, now I'm on the bench. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I was starting, but it's like I'm falling off because I'm not doing what I was doing to get here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back, and it's like, now they're going to start throwing those same old labels on me. Like, you got to, you know what I mean? It's like, nah, I want to play this way, but it's like, I got to do what I got to do to show that I can do that. And at a point, I fell off on that. So that was probably one point in there. But in music, you come to that point all the time. So I say from a music standpoint, just creating music out here and trying to actually present yourself to people, you're going to get blocked at every moment because it's like, there's gatekeepers at every step. If I want to get on a platform to share what I'm doing, how do I get to do that? I got to know the person mm-hmm. or I got to know a person that knows the person that likes that person. You know what I mean? Yep. That can 
wiggle me through. And then I'm coming from a space where it was really like I, I was around people that did what I did, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't around too many other rappers. Like my boys were older that rapped. They lived in like Brockton, so you know that's that's over there. They, they already got their own world yeah. like to operate in. Whole different culture out here. Like as far as all my close friends, no one else makes music. Mm-hmm. Like so, I was attacking that on my own the whole time, and it was just like. I had to find people, like, along my journey. So I ran into, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dutch Bell. Mm-hmm. Bumped into her, like, halfway through my journey on some regular shit. Like, from one of my homegirls, they wanted some weed. I helped get some weed. And then we were just kind of kicking it ever since. And we were probably kicking it for maybe a year before they even knew I made music. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was just at the house and I played some music, just, like, from my computer, like, shit. And they were like, who's this? I'm like, that's me, because it was like, I, you know, I speak in a deep voice, but I was, yeah. like, rapping in, like, a higher voice. Mm-hmm. So they were like, nigga, just start it over. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that was kind of the game changer for me. Like, as far as, like, in the scene, opened up doors that I couldn't imagine opening up out here. Like, I did so many shows with Dutch, just, like, going with her, taking her taking me places. Like, I'm, like, forever indebted to her just off of that. Between her and Keith, it was, like... That changed the whole game for me, and I kind of removed all the blocks. I wasn't just stuck doing shit like showcases and open mics, and because you can get into that rut and just be running in that circle all day as a local artist. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because that's not to me. That's not even really it. Like that's like the beginning. That's the beginning point when you're learning. But what do you do when you're good enough and you have people who will come actually see you on your own? Yeah. And that's just like a whole other journey that I didn't even know how to unlock until I met them. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of gems that you shared in, in just sharing all your story. Um, you know, even just the most recent is like, you know, when you're just taking the steps towards the journey or wherever you're going after, God will just open the doors and you have to kind of be open, ready and open for the opportunities. Right? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I forgot what the exact saying was, but right. Be prepared. Um, you have to be prepared for the opportunity that comes your way. Right, because most people are just looking for the opportunity, but not doing anything to prepare themselves for the opportunity. Yeah, so when the opportunity comes, right. you can't do nothing with it because you're not prepared. Exactly, not ready. you were doing something with it. You just happen to share your music, and you said you were talking to it for you know you you've known this person for a whole year, and then out of nowhere, it's like, yo, let me put you on. I didn't know you did this, right? Exactly. And so you know, closed mouths don't get fed at the end of the day. And at the same time, I was offering them value way before I asked for something from them. Yeah. yeah okay. So it's like I remember one time I feel like it was a turning point in a relationship. It was like, it was like not like a blizzard, but it was like one of them snowy, snowy days. And like their car like broke down and they were at the station and they needed a ride home. And I remember I was with my boys at the house. I was like, yo, I'm going to go get them that ride. Mm -hmm. You don't know, like this might take the relationship to, before it was just like high and by casual after they needed a ride and I brought them home. Now we're having a different conversation in the car because I'm doing you a favor Mm -hmm. and I'm offering you value. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And in that, I feel like that, like, took the relationship to, like, blossom. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then from there, and I feel like that was, after that, that's when we started digging into more stuff. And mm-hmm. just that, like, just not being, like, I could have been, like, nah, I'm just going to bring them and go home, figure it out. You know, some people are like that. Like, but I was like, nah, fuck it, it's snowing, I'll give them a ride. Just because who the fuck wants to be walk home in the snow right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? So just, like, being open to actually give before you receive something, I think is also a good thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think you hit on the great part, really showing up and giving that value without expecting something in return, right? And I think some people, they they do things to be a nice person, right? It's like, I'm going to just keep doing things for you, and eventually I keep scratching your back and scratch my back. But you kind of went that other way. I was like, I'm going to just be a good person because that's just who I am in my nature. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up for someone the way that I would want someone else to show up for me. And at the end of the day, everything's going to work in the end, which it seems like it did. Exactly. And I do have another question. It's like, I know you mentioned that your cousin Stephen really was your big vision of how you saw yourself in basketball. That's what you want to be. You want to be the guy hitting the threes, the guy with all of the cheerleaders, right? Essentially that guy on the team. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, did you have some sort of big vision for how you see yourself in your music career? So I guess something similar, but like, for me, I always knew, like, the way the music game is, like, the industry, it's like, to me, it's like, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and I'm, like, pretty business savvy, so I already knew the deals are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I, I was looking at music from a standpoint of, I can create an asset that generates income over time, because I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they were talking about royalty income as a form of passive income, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, music is royalty income. 
if I build up a catalog that could turn into that for me, I don't care how big it is. I just want to be able to at least, I, I was saying to myself, I want to put out at least like a hundred songs that are, that I can monetize off of. That's not every song I ever do, but like over the course of projects. So I was just kind of looking at it like that. If I have a hundred songs out, let's see what I can get from that. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. I'm probably at like 60 or some shit like that, but still I was just looking at it like that. Like I always wanted to operate it from like an independent standpoint where I can just generate as much as I can from it without having to go through the hoops and deal with all the, like the politics and stuff like that. So I never necessarily wanted to be Drake just cause I, I, I don't, I like to be able to just walk around. Like y'all see me, I walk around everywhere just like by myself. Like if I'm a super celebrity, that wouldn't necessarily be a reality for me unless I live just somewhere like weird. Yeah. But like, for me, I just wanted to operate from a space where I put music out, I can make money from it, I can create merch, people will support it, and, like, just make the best music I can possibly make for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can enjoy it, at the very least, that's a good baseline. And then if other people enjoy it, great. That's really what I like. But, like, if, I don't, if I'm doing shit that I don't even like, because I feel like if you go into the label system, you can get into that. They're just going to start forcing you to do shit that they versus me actually putting my life my passion into my music mm-hmm. and I just kind of wanted to see myself like that just like a like a Nipsey Hustle for yeah. for an easy fucking comparison but like you know he was a Leo like me I felt like I used to watch his interviews all the time and he was always like talking about what I was doing it's like outlines like I just read the outlines mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it's like uh, I just read Rich Dad Poor Dad he just talking about all those books I was like see I'm, I'm on the right path that's yeah. how I always think I'm on the right path he's doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and so I just always wanted to operate it like that just like this is like in a space where I can actually sustain myself from the craft mm-hmm. yeah I think it's really interesting right it's like essentially your music journey is just your basketball journey in a new space right so literally at the end of the day it always was the Okay, I know there's this system that I can conform to and success is probably going to happen, but it's not the type of success that you want to happen. And you aren't willing to sacrifice your success to conform to the system, which is something that we talk about all the time, right? And then knowing that success is not a binary and that success looks different to the individual, right? It's like you said, you didn't want to be Drake, right? I know other people was like, I would love to be Drake, just make the money. I don't care about the music or the passion, right? But where I say like for you, you're like, nope. The money's cool, but that's not what I'm in it for, right? At the end of the day, the music's for you, mm-hmm. right? And then if your fans love it, great. And if you can monetize it, even better. Even better. Right? But you're not willing to monetize your music if it's going to cost you what it actually means to you as an artist. It exactly. Your soul, baby. Yeah. And it can cost you your soul mm-hmm. very easily. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you get into that network, it's like, I see, you can see, it even happens on a small scale. Like, the, the politic game is at every level. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's what... I'm learning from that too. Like it's not just at the top where politics are at play. This is literally at every single level of everything you do from mm-hmm. your job to school to sports to music. Yeah. So that's something you're going to have to learn to navigate in general. Yeah. And then before when I was younger, I was a little more like brash, a little more like fuck you, that kind of attitude. That wasn't going to work. I'm playing back. I'm getting text playing back. I was one of those guys like Rasheed Wallace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just fuck you, ref. Like shit like yeah. that. Like you, that. That already isn't great for, like, team chemistry. I'm getting mad at my teammates. Shit like that. Like, that's not necessarily the best way to operate if you do want to move in any system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a system you built. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like I just had to learn all of those type of things, like, throughout you know, life. I think that's um, important because in the 48 Laws of Power, he talks about navigating human, you know, society, human nature, right? The reason why we have these 48 Laws is because people, there's always going to be the politicking at every level. Mm-hmm. So the better you understand human nature, the better you understand the politicking, the more you can navigate it and get what you actually want, right? Like you were saying, you yep. tried a strategy and your strategy wasn't working, right? Because you're you're trying to, you know, conform, you're trying to do it your way, right? Mm-hmm. But you understood, okay, I'm not getting what I want by just doing this. Exactly. So a mindset shift had to happen. Exactly. I mean, honestly, whenever we're ready, we get into the fitness journey, that one is like, that's probably like my most like, proud thing i've done in my life at this yeah. point let's, just, let's talk about yeah. it let's talk about it yeah so i started off i've been seeing you guys at the gym 
years. Years, years yeah, at yeah. this point. Years yeah. since we was at Medford Crunch. Yeah. I seen mm-hmm. Hardy had dreads. I was like, oh, these dudes is out here doing the cobra stretch crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he, got his, he got his feet by his shoulder. How's he doing it? Like, I just got a trainer, and it was like, these are all the things he's teaching me to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally, you know, in the gym, you're like watching everybody. Like, people think you're being a creep, but I'm really like watching how people do the, how to do the lips. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, oh, oh damn, they're killing that. Shit. I don't got that flexibility. <laughs> you know like, I, got, I got to really get there. So it's like, and then, you know, you also go to the gym and see people there go for a while and make no progress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I felt like I got, when I started going, I started seeing you guys. At first, I was literally going there just to build the habit. Yeah. So like 2019, that that era, like I was going to the gym. I was like, all right, I don't care if I lose any weight. I want to attack this like I'm building the habit to where I am a gym person. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't care if I make any progress, but I'm going to the gym at least three days a week, four days a week. If I go two, I'm going to count it just because I'm a beginner. I'm not trying to, like, rush myself into the process and make myself hurt and not want to come back tomorrow. But also, like, not discourage myself if I don't be perfect that week. So if I go at least two, my thing was like, if I go at least two days, I had a successful week. I, I could count that as a week that I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. But I really want to do three or four days. Yeah. So I was just doing that at first, lifting weights, just trying to, like, literally just get into the habit of going to the gym. So I didn't even think about how much weight I was, like, losing or gaining. But I felt, like, other benefits from that. Like, I felt my energy going numb, and I just felt like I was, like, like even though I had the weight didn't change at all, I thought I looked better. I was like, mm-hmm. see, two pounds <laughs> going. <It's> yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. So it was, like, just that. I was just using things like that to keep myself motivated. But I came to a point where it might have been, like, two years, and it was, like, no weight loss. I was, like, all right, all right, something got to change. So I got a trainer, and he was always emphasizing, like, he, he told you everything you should do. He gave me the macro breakdown. He's giving me the workouts day to day, but he was telling me to take 10,000 steps a day, and I didn't think it was that serious. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my steps is at like 3,500, 4,000, 5,000 when I started going to the gym. So I was at five. I'm like, yo, I'm doing 5,000 steps. So what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I walked to the gym. My gym's it's a block away. <laughs> you know how crazy how close yep. crunch was to yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a block <laughs> away, bro. It's like, dog, you, you're walking a block, fam. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do these 10,000 steps. Let me go check my phone, see what I'm at. I'm going to start doing it. And literally within that first month, I started doing 10,000 steps. I was down like nine pounds. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. He's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I was, why didn't I just do this from the beginning? But I was being stubborn. But also, I felt like I was taking it at my pace where I wasn't trying to do too much at once. Like, I was adding it piece by piece. Mm-hmm. So I figured, like, I got two years of lifting under my belt. I got to have some muscle under here now. I know I'm getting stronger. Mm-hmm. So that'll, in turn, make cutting the fat easier down the down the road. That's mm-hmm. what all the podcasts told me. Yeah. Mind pump and all them. That's what mm-hmm. they told me. He's like, you build it up first, and then you, it'll be easier to cut it off because you got muscle on you. So, And it turned out that was true. Because yeah. literally the only thing I changed from there was walking. Yeah. So once I started getting my walks in, that first, so June to December, lost like 50 pounds just on what I was already doing. And then that came to a point where it stopped. Mm-hmm. Like I hit a plateau on that because my body got adjusted to doing 13,000, 14,000 steps a day. And then, like, say the top of this year, I got to a point where I was stagnant at, like, three from 3 to 3.11 in between that range for, like, the first three months of the year. And I was doing mad steps. I'm lifting heavy. But I was, like, I felt like I was tired beating myself up. And then, like, I just had to, like, I had to make a change from there because it was, like, all right. I got to, like, either reset or something. So what I ended up doing was I ended up, like, cutting the steps back just to, like, get a little more rest. And then that kind of moved the needle again. But then I found someone at the gym to do a competition with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you stoked, and they stoked that in me. I was like, oh, shit. Once he did that, I got, like, another 20 off just me and him. But Because he was literally in the exact same place. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we weighed the same, like, the same height. Yeah. And we're trying to do the exact same thing. So this, for me, this is like God putting what I need right here to actually motivate me. Because I was always like, I could do it. Like, I had another cousin who had to lose weight, but he was already like 60 pounds lighter than me. So it's like, I'm going to lose more than you have more to lose. Yeah. yeah. Versus. Competition wouldn't make as much sense. It wouldn't make as much sense. You know what I mean? So finding the guy who was like the perfect counterpart helped me. So it's like every time I see him, I'm like, shit, I got to do a little more. You know what I'm saying? That would like keep me motivated, but. Just to end those phases, just literally, I feel like the steps was probably the most important thing that I had to add to my journey just because I had to get that 
baseline activity up on top of just going to the gym. Mm. And there's just everything that's come from there. Like, once I started, so that 2019 run, that first set of me going to the gym, maybe, because I was counting the weeks on my Snapchat, week 10, week Mm -hmm. 32, week, I got to, like, week 100 or something, two years in, and then pandemic hit. And then, um, but say, like, 30-something weeks in, I ended up making a cover of a magazine for music, but I felt like that was just because I was being so focused in the gym and just actually being disciplined with everything mm-hmm. that, like, other things started falling in place for me. So, like, I got a cover of a magazine. I got nominated for the BMAs. And then I put out my project. And I, like, had, like, a full line of merch. And, like, I had a show. We, like, I, I headlined the show, made money from the show, sold merch at the show, paid other people to perform. It was, like, literally doing the full thing. Yeah. And so, but I also I just felt like that came from the discipline I developed from actually getting my ass in the gym. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's no actually lie. that reminds me of something that I always tell people, and I was actually having this conversation with someone this week, and I tell them like the reason why I tell everyone get in the gym and go as hard as possible is because that's the gym is the real war zone, it's right? The, war zone. the gym is where you show up, and it's you against your you. greatest enemy, right? And that's the version of you who knows what to tell you to quit. Right, this is the version of you that knows that the second I think of the donuts, I'm out. Mm-hmm. That's the version of you that knows I don't want to do abs, so I'm just looking around for excuses to not do abs. Right, mm-hmm. but when you show up day in and day out, and you beat that version of yourself, and then you leave the gym, nothing is impossible. No, yo, difficult conversations are easier to have after you leave the gym. Absolutely. Like I don't know what it is. It's like after I feel like I lift, I felt like I got to cut somebody off or cut something off. It's like all right, after I'm gonna go to the gym, and after I'm like, yo, listen, it's done, bro. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that confidence you get from that endorphin boost from the lifting. It just feels like I don't know. It just makes difficult things seem like it's not anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You go in there, pull fucking three hundred pounds or something like that. It's just like yeah, I could do whatever. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? I think the important thing is right. You're keeping promises to yourself, and that builds the confidence. And now it's like okay, if I can do these things for me, then I can do anything else. For myself outside the gym, right? Facts. So sometimes, you know, I, you know, for me growing up, I didn't like to have those difficult conversations. But at the end of the day, the problem never goes away. Right? <laughs> never goes away. You're still away. gonna have beef with that other person. You just don't know that you have beef with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and then it just balls up, and then you explode on them. As you know, and it's not about what happened before. It was about something that happened then, and then you bring up what happened before. For right? yep, yep. And and so it's understanding, recognizing. You know that pattern, and be like, nah, nah, we're moving forward because it's only causing me myself to to not get what I want at the end of the day. That's true. That's definitely true. Like, just honestly, the gym to me is like the best thing that's happened to me. Like, I felt like just from I I was going to the gym for so long before I even started posting that I was going to the gym, and then when I started posting on my story, like me just doing lifts and stuff, I didn't realize how much people, yeah. My journey was impacted. I'm mm-hmm. talking people were like DMing me like, oh, bro, I got to get right. What gym you go to? My aunts, like my whole family, like I went to a family party a couple of weeks ago and they just seen me like they couldn't be more proud. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy because like, my mother died and they all love my mom and my mom, her nickname is Biggs. So it's like it's being big is a part of us. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. but I don't want to identify with it, but that's what it was. So for them to see me actually doing it like, it's like I never got this much positive energy from my family, like, ever. It's great. It's not to say that I had negative energy from my family. It's just, like, overwhelming, like, how proud they are of me. So it's, like, to me, it's just all around just, just treatment from everybody. Like, I feel like getting more, like, respect from people. Like, I feel like, I don't know, just, like, just literally every angle of my life I feel, like, improved, honestly. Just being able to do shit. Just like I'm going on trips with my boys, and it's like we're walking around Miami, and it's like my man, he he's he he got abs, mm-hmm. tired, <laughs> tired. It's like damn, boy, my feet hurt. I'm like, I'm like for real, <laughs> like like really, like you sure? Like I'm doing twenty thousand steps a day. Like I ain't worried. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I don't know, just it just improved my life on every angle. I'd say. Yeah. Um, on your story, right of your gym journey, you touched on something that we kind of talked about earlier, where it's like. When you are on the pursuit of a journey, right, God will send people along your way to make sure you kind of you hit that goal. Right. And so it's like it's kind of serendipitous that you came across the trainer in the gym who helped you with like the macros, told you about the steps. Right. And you came across somebody who wanted to do the Mm -hmm. fitness competition with you. Right. It's kind of like everything just aligned. And once you got 
like the gym stuff down pack, everything else and like the music, your merch, it all came in full alignment. Literally all came in full alignment. Like once I, I was, I say that to my boy all the time. Like the minute I started going to the gym, it almost, I don't know. It just, I just felt like it literally turned everything around for me. Like I, I was on a path of like, not necessarily like destructive, but I didn't realize how, how much I was bullshitting, I'd say. Like, I just wasn't doing, like, I was just doing too much, like, chilling. I, I'd like to say, like, I was just chilling. I'm at the crib. It was like, I'm smoking a lot. Like, I'm Uber Eats every day. I'm going to a Davio's at fucking 12 in the afternoon. It's like, you eating steak and fucking egg rolls for lunch. It's like, come on, bro. It's like, you don't got it. But it's just like, I had so much time on my hands and freedom. That like it's like you can literally use the like the money and the freedom as like a negative like like a crutch like you can use it negatively like having all that freedom like, you know some people like that work life balance mm-hmm. I need more work <laughs> I, had mad, <laughs> I had mad life I had mad life I was just, it was all life <laughs> and it was like all right you gotta you gotta come back bring this shit back in balance go do something invest in yourself some more and you'll get more of what you want down the line just because you'll be better equipped to handle it yep. so I feel like the gym kind of just gave me all of that. And, you know, just to go on top of that, like, I'm sure at the beginning it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, right? It's Hell no. You Like, you were stubborn at the beginning. And I, and I think everybody goes through that. It's like, nah, I, I know better. I know my body. I'm going to be stubborn. But then you realize, like, I think going through the experience of doing it months and months and hitting your goals and then there's a plateau, it's like, damn, okay, maybe I do need outside help. And mm-hmm. it's okay to go for outside help. Yeah, I was 100% working out at least two years before I got the trainer. Yeah. And the trainer, I, I didn't meet him. I knew him the whole time. It was actually my boy that I used to, like, see all the time. But he was a trainer. I just never thought I, I was, like you said, I was being stubborn. I didn't think I needed a trainer. Like, I'm, you know, I'm watching workouts all day. And it's like, uh, I'll go on muscle and strength and go get a program and some shit, fucking some bodybuilder program that I'm not even really trying to be a bodybuilder. Like, I'm not on roids. It's not going to work for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I remember, like, actually linking with him and showing him the workout I was doing. He's like, this is cool. But. Is this what you need? I was like, I don't know. What do you <laughs> like, what do I need? Question, right? It's a great question. What do I need? He's like, all right, we're going to dial this in. Come in. Come see me. Let me see how all your form looks. Send me videos. So whenever you see me recording, I was really recording and just sending them to him just to see how my form looked, working on my squat depth, all that type of shit. Like before, I was getting quarter squats. I couldn't. I knee wouldn't go nowhere. So it was like he was just, just showing me all the little things to like help with all my form and stuff like that. So from there, like. I, that took my whole journey to a whole different level of just like, just like you said, like the spider stretch I seen with you doing. I got that from him, and I probably would have never done that on my own. Yeah, I wouldn't even try it. I wouldn't even think about that. Like shit, like the Turkish get-ups. There's no way in hell I was doing a Turkish get-up on my own. Mm-hmm. I would have looked at that like for what, you know what I mean? But like with the trainer, he's kind of like forcing me out of my comfort zone. But in that, I'm making adaptations that I didn't even know mm-hmm. I could make, mm-hmm. and. I feel like I'm being more resilient all around because of that. And I'm, like, super-duper grateful for him. Like, I, for all the things that, like, he's made me do, my perspective on everything, I don't know. I just, I, I'd advise everyone to get a trainer if you yeah. can. Mm-hmm. They're expensive, though. Like, and I had to go to monthly. I was doing the sessions. I was like, all right, I'm not paying 90 a session. Yeah. I'll go to the gym. I was like, yo, bro, I'll go to the gym. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Just give me the workout. I'm going to go to the gym, and I'll enter what I'm doing, and then ultimately – if my I can't lie if my weight's progressing every week or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm putting a number in, I can't put in 365 this week and when I did 330 last week and mm-hmm. expect to go to 375 last week if I never did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, just that, just, it's like just holding myself accountable. I feel like it helped me do that. And I don't know, just, yeah, the accountability is super important. Just having, so I think him seeing that I did the workout also helps mm-hmm. yeah. because he has like this app where it's like I enter and he can see and like leave yeah. notes and stuff. So it's almost like he's watching me even though he's not. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's like super duper helpful for me just cause I know I was going to go regardless, but like, it's like a little extra when you know, someone's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, like you're doing it, bro. Like, All right. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm curious, now that you've had all these experiences, whether it was in overcoming your hurdles in basketball, whether it was learning how to navigate the music industry as an independent artist in Massachusetts, whether it was getting into the gym and getting hit with that global pandemic, having to really reshape yourself, right? If you could go back and talk to that 14-year-old version of yourself who was like, nah, 
I'm only doing this. I'm going to make the team. I'm going to do it my way. Right? What would you tell that kid with all the knowledge that you've gained through all of the experiences that you now have? I'll tell him to go lift some weights. <laughs> I'll tell him to go lift some weights. I, well, I, said, I said it to my boy, Leo Dog. If we was lifting in high school, that was the one piece we was missing. Because mm-hmm. I was willing to do all the work. Like, if I grew up in an era where I had the internet where I could actually find all these, you know, Steph Curry's workout is for, is for sale and all, yep. I would have got all that. Like, at the time, I was on it. Like, I was a kid that was online looking for everything. This is 04. There's no YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally, I'm finding whatever I could find. I'm bringing it to school. I'm going to basketball practice with the five-star basketball drill book. Yep. Like, I was dead serious. So it was like, I I honestly love that version of me. I, I don't think there was a more serious version of me ever. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that kid was focused. Like, I didn't smoke. I didn't do nothing. Like, I'm mad at my friends for smoke. You smoke weed? How could you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, I was that friend. I was yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Aggravating. You know, like, like, hated me. I was like, how could you? We trying to go to the NBA, bro. What are you doing? Like, I was, I was that kid, like, for real. So yeah. it was like, that kid, I'd literally just tell that kid, yo, dog, go listen weights because yeah. you will seriously benefit from a consistent weight training program, like, mm-hmm. all around. Like, the, you know, I probably would have got that. Look. I'm playing ball every day, so it's not like I'm not active. Yeah. And right. I probably would have said, just stop eating pizza. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, on top of that, it's like, right, you can say it easy, like, go listen weights, but how would you have persuaded yourself, right? Because I'm sure that mindset wasn't taking advice from other people. You were stubborn, right? I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. Shit, how would I have to, if it was me telling me? Dang. I would have believed me. <laughs> nah, it wasn't even that. It was just like, I I would have done it. Like, I wasn't against it. I wasn't even, like, stubborn with it. I just wasn't consistent. So I might get, like, a three-week run where I'm doing it, then I'm not doing it for six weeks. I would just tell myself to actually stay on it. You know what I mean? Just because, like, like, that would probably would have just been my separator from everyone else who wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I feel like that. That's probably the one thing I would have told myself then, because I, I think I was on a pretty good path as like a young kid. Like, I got off path like somewhere in college. <laughs> for I, real. Like, I think I think a lot of us do. Oh, literally, yeah. <laughs> like once I didn't play ball in college, I was like done with everything. I was like, oh, I feel like I college is a little vacation, a little bit from the real world. It's yeah. not the real world. Yeah, it's yep. not. Well, especially it's when you like live on campus, mm-hmm. you're not. The, it's not the real world. I was in college during the 08 crash. Felt none of it. Yep. We felt none of it. It was just, it was just go to that, go to the cafeteria and go get some food, <laughs> yep. order Domino's, and mm-hmm. fucking go to the party. Like what was happening in the real world wasn't affecting me at all while I'm on college campus, and that's when I actually realized that this isn't the real world. Yeah, it was like just as simple like on college campus, you can ask a girl what's her what's your room, what room, what building you stay in. You're not asking a girl what she loves from the minute you meet her. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? But, like, on a college campus, that's, like, regular no, practice. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, like, that. even from that. And I also always, like, was had an interest in, like, sociology, psychology. I was, like, studying people. So I, like, noticed that then. And I also realized I was at the wrong school. But it was, like, too late. And it was, like, my attitude towards going to college, like, out of high school was I'm not trying to pay a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. That might not even have been the best mindset. Because I should have just been focused on the best environment for me because I went there and did nothing. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I might have flunked out two, three times and got back in suspension. But you know what I'm saying? Just because I, I didn't care. Whereas if I, like, my cousin went to BC, I used to go visit him at BC every week. And it was just like the environment, I felt like I might have been better off in an environment like that because there was more people who I felt like I can actually talk to and deal with. And they might have been able to help me. Mm-hmm. Just because it was like, my friends are straight A students and shit. You know what I mean? If I go to BC and they could actually show me how to do more school shit. I always had like a good brain, but like bad study habits. Like, and in college, that shit matters more than you just being smart. You can't oh, yeah. just show up smart with a good memory and just, you got to cause it te- the test has shit that's not in class mm-hmm. and not in the book. And you got to go find it. And I sucked at writing papers. So it was like, if I went to a different environment where I could actually like, tapped more into more people that could actually help me with stuff like that, I might have succeeded more in college. Yeah. But like I got I'm at my age realizing that at the time I didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Where's the party? Yeah. <laughs> Where's yeah, the party? Yeah. Oh party at BU? Yeah. Oh, we there. Yeah. Party at BC, we there. Northeastern, we there. Mm-hmm. Regis, we there. I was on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Fisher College. I was everywhere. Yeah. I was go Johnson and Wales. You gotta go to Providence for the party. I was doing all that Worcester, whatever. Just mm-hmm. like I was just trying to party, party, party. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck did that get me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I met a lot of people, but other than that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's like, ah. Other than that, I could have done more with that time. I agree. Mm -hmm. I co-signed that wholeheartedly, honestly. Could have done way more with that time. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, We are actually getting to the end of our time. Yeah. But I do just want you to let our audience know where can they find you, how can they connect with you, where can they check out your music, right? How do they get in tap with you? Yes, so um, King Fire on all music platforms, King, F-I-Y-A. I'm on IG, One Fire Main, M-A-N-E, One, number one, Fire, F-I-Y-A, Main. And um, I'm on YouTube, King Fire. I'm actually thinking about putting out some new content, just like talking and speaking on my journey and stuff mm-hmm. at the top of the year. So be on the lookout for something like that. And I also have another music project coming soon, too, probably top of the year. So be on the lookout for that. But other than that, follow me. I'm around. Reach out to me if you have questions on, like, losing weight or even how to navigate the music space. Features cost money. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... <laughs> But um, anything, man, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm easy to talk to. Just holler at me. Well, you guys heard it here first. Reach out to him. Tap in. Get those weight loss journeys. Bring the check for the features. We do not work for free <laughs> in 2023 or 2024. Thank you. <laughs> and, of course, you guys know where to find us. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Success System Podcast. You can also feel free to send us an email. You can email us at CoachDT, D as in Dave, T as in Thomas, at way too spicy three O's, because we're extra.com. And, of course, you can reach out to any of us individually. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at I am Coach DT. Again, that's D as in Dave, T as in Thomas. Or you can reach out to me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at DT Speaks underscore. Yeah, and you can find me on IG, Coach Amadeus, A-M-A-D-E-U-S. And you can find me on Instagram at I am Sherry J. That's S-H-E-R-R-I-J. And as always, this has been the Success System Podcast. We are way too spicy, and we want you to know that success is your birthright, and you are only one decision away. With that being said, we will see you next time. Peace. Peace out. Peace.